Didn't Jacob do a great job? Amen, amen, amen. And I also want to thank Marion, Marion, who's filling in for uh, Jody. Thank you, Marion. Amen, amen, amen. All right, everyone. I um, Oh, a couple of, um, before I start, we're going to have a little, um, well, let's start with our prayers. Um, Jody is, is so, so thankful. She's in the um, Almond Vista uh, rehabilitation right now. Um, and uh, she thanks you all for your phone calls. She says is she's probably not going to be able to get back to all of you. I mean, she has so many phone calls. She thanks you for your love. She's looking forward to being back soon. And uh, just wants me to send you your, her love. And so, so we'll pray for Jody, her continued recovery. Uh, understand Joaquina is back home, praise God. And so we thank God for that. And so uh, let's go ahead and pray for Jody, Joaquina, um, those, that are, those that are recovering right now, okay? Father, we, we um, thank you that uh, um, for, for Jody that uh, uh, things went well, Lord, uh, and that we just pray your continuing, your healing touch upon her. Please let your spirit minister to her, Lord, and, you know, just give her, just give her total health and bring her back to us soon, Lord. Thank you, God. And we also pray for Joaquina and her uh, rehabilitation, too. Uh, uh, we just pray that you uh, keep her safe and, uh, you know, help her to um, just heal up quickly and just keep her, just minister to her and give her strength as well in her rehabilitation. As well for Bruce and Frank, Lord, we're remembering our brothers Bruce and Frank. Would you please visit them by your Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, give them your encouragement and your strength and and, and, and just your healing touch, Father, please. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, last week I forgot to give a, a, a praise, so if I give a belated one. Uh, we had a men's breakfast, not this Saturday, but the Saturday prior. We had 19 guys come out. And I want to thank Danny for making his famous uh, waffle uh, pancakes. <laughs> and also Joe, Joe for making a your bacon and eggs, bacon and eggs, and Cecil also was helping. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Amen. Yeah, praise. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. And so we're continuing. Oh, let's see what else. Oh, my wife wanted me to give a praise for, for um. Earl, it took me a second there. Earl, <laughs> I've known him, I've only known him for 20 years. Earl, uh, Earl, who's, uh, had, she said he is a lifesaver. He's doing, helping out with our technology. And, uh, you know, because uh, Jacob's going to be uh, going at the end of this month. We'll have to have a special time for him. But uh, so now we've got Earl and my wife. We're both doing technology. So thank you, Earl, so much for your great work doing the tech work. Let's give Earl a hand. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we've been having some storms lately, amen. Amen. Oh my gosh, some powerful storms. How many of you got how many of you got woken up by the tornado warning last Tuesday morning? Oh, 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 almost everybody. Okay. Uh I was still see my wife had to wake me up. But <laughs> but man, oh man. Uh, uh, you know, she, uh, that was a powerful a powerful warning. My wife uh, she was woken up not only by the warning, but by the thunder and lightning. Anybody see that? The thunder and lightning and uh-huh, and the wind, and the wind, right? 
I mean, that was some powerful wind. It was so powerful. How powerful was it, Johnny Carson? It was so powerful. <laughs> uh, you might have noticed some of the some big, very big branches in our very big trees got torn down over here in the parking lot. I mean, that was a uh, you know it was a violent wind as we heard as we heard it blowing. You know what? And in the Bible, we're going to be reading in just a moment about the, another sound of violent wind. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, and that's going to be in Acts 2. We'll look at that in just, just a moment. But the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the three major festivals of the year for the Jewish and on the Jewish calendar. Pentecost, the word Pentecost actually means 50 in the Greek. And it was 50 of celebration 50 days after the Passover. So Pentecost was a spring harvest festival it was a festival of the wheat harvest so the jews from all over would come to jerusalem and uh, bring a, a, the first fruits of their wheat a harvest as a sacrifice to the lord and they would bring it to the temple in jerusalem so this was the celebration going on when the holy spirit fell upon the church uh, Jesus, as you might remember, told the disciples to go back uh, to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do right now, we'll go ahead and prepare to read the account of the, Holy, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church. So if you have a Bible uh, with you, and it's also going to be on our screen, uh, if you would stand if you're able and willing, and we'll read from Acts as we're continuing our series in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and come to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, uh, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus of a and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine to drink. Okay, you may be seated. Amen, amen, amen. So, this was a continuation from last week. You remember the disciples 
were praying in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell. When they heard the sound, <laughs> they heard, excuse me, they heard the sound. And it was a sound like the sound of a violent wind. The King James calls it a mighty wind. And this mighty wind, the Bible says, came from heaven. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descending upon the disciples. The Holy Spirit descending upon the disciples. The third person of the Trinity of God was about to enable the church of God to accomplish the work of God. He came to enable the church. The Spirit enables the church. He empowers the church. He energizes the church. He gives life to the church. The Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the gift that the Father promised. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And when he comes, you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. You see, the Christian church is to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Uh, to be witnesses for, for Jesus Christ. But that cannot happen without the help of the Holy Spirit. Without the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at two primary gifts of how the Holy Spirit enables the church. Two primary gifts the Holy Spirit gives. And those are these. The first gift has to do with spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit enables the church through the birth of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was falling on believers on the day of Pentecost. That was the birth of the Christian church. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual life to the church. The Holy Spirit gives eternal life to the church through Jesus Christ. It is only through Christ who is the, Jesus is, the Bible says, John chapter 1, in him was life and that life was the light of men. Jesus is true God and eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Life is found in him. Jesus Christ and God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to the church to bring his life to bring his life to his church. The day the, the, the church was born, the birthday of the church is the day of Pentecost. It's the beginning of the church of Christ. The Holy Spirit brought the beginning, began the church of Jesus Christ. On that day, that 120 disciples were all together in the upper room, as we said. Verse 2, let's pick it up at verse 2. It says this. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the house. And they, then they saw these tongues of fire separating out and coming to rest, rest on each one of them. They heard this wind. They saw the flames. Both the wind and the flames are symbols of God's presence. They were symbols of the presence of God on earth. This was the original earth 
wind, and fire for all you 70s music fans. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the, Holy, the Holy Spirit coming down, coming down. See, the wind, the wind was a miracle of sound. The flames was a miracle of sight. <laughs> so first, <coughs> let's review the miracle of sound. You see, wind in the Bible is a sign, a symbol of God's spirit and of his, uh, and his breath of life. The word used for wind here is the word pneuma. It's the same word we get when we, uh, from which we get the word pneumonia, which is talking about the wind in our lungs. Now, in the, book of the, in the book of Ezekiel, God gave the prophet Ezekiel a vision. And this vision God gave him was a vision of dry, valley of dry bones. And in God, uh, these bones started miraculously in this vision to come together. And it came together with tendons and with flesh and with skin. And then the wind blew upon these lifeless bodies that were put together. And the breath of God gave them new life. You see, the Holy Spirit was about to give the disciples, by the wind and the breath of God, new life. They were going to become born again, which we'll talk about in a minute. You see, you see, suddenly it happened. Suddenly it happened. Jesus talks about this, this new life, this as a spiritual birth. As I said, he talks about it as being born again. John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he explains, you know, in other words, Unless he's born from heaven, born from above, he cannot see uh, God's kingdom. John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, explaining the Holy Spirit and how it all happens, and he uses the example of wind. He says it this way. John 3 and verse 8, he says this. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. Or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. The wind blows. You do not know where it comes from. You see, it's a mystery. The rebirth, spiritual birth, there is a mystery to it all. It, it takes place. When you receive Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior, when you, you find new life in Christ and your body becomes a temple of what? The Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit comes to reside within you. The miracle of the sound of the wind was a, a, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now, the miracle of sight was the seeing of the tongues of fire from a single a flame uh, there was distributed and separated upon each of them a, a, a tongue of fire. What did it mean? It meant that each one of the disciples would receive the Holy Spirit. 
Each one of the disciples would be, have a personal, intimate relationship with God that they never had before like this. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. And the fire, the fire of God's Spirit, that they would know the purifying fire. They would know the heart set aflame fire. They would know the fire that is not to be quenched. The fire of God's Spirit should be lit in every believer, and the fan and the flame should be fanned. Listen to this. Paul talking to Timothy, young Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He says, fan the flame of the gift of God that's within you. We got to fan the, don't let the fire go out, huh? Don't let the fire go out. Fan the flame. Use the gifts that he's given you. Fan, the fl fan it in the flame. Stoke the fire of your commitment to Christ. Burn with zeal for the Lord. The fire of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were given these miraculous signs and these tongues of fire were upon them. Through the birth of the Holy Spirit, with the signs of the wind and the signs of fire, the Holy Spirit began the church. Not only is the Spirit beginning the church, but the Holy Spirit is baptizing believers in Christ. Baptizing believers. Let's look at verse 4. It says this. We're back in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And it says this. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is what Jesus calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus said, in a few days, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, he, says, he says this. He says, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. This is a baptism of immersion into the body of Christ. What is the difference between being baptized by the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, being baptized by the Holy Spirit happens only once. It happens when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You receive His Spirit. And you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. I mean, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says this. It says, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. We were all given the one spirit to drink. See, the baptism happens at the moment you receive Jesus Christ. Now, the filling of that only happens once. Now, the filling of the Holy Spirit is, uh, is something that is repeated. As a matter of fact, it's a command that God wants us to have as a regular part of our lives. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And in the original language, uh, the present tense of the verb, it literally means continually be filled with the Spirit. It's something that has to be ongoing. It's something that is to be ongoing, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, believers, 
are all given the Spirit to drink. Listen to how theologian John R. W. Stott talks about being filled with the Spirit. And he says it this. He says it's like drinking water. He says this. He says this. He says, being filled with the Spirit is just like drinking water. A man gets drunk by drinking. We become filled with the Spirit by drinking too. Here's it is. Here it is. Here it is. He, uh, uh, and he quotes Jesus. And he quotes Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus himself talked about drinking. And he says this, John 7, 37. He says this. He says, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the Spirit, as the Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from them. What is the living water Jesus is talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Opening yourself up to Jesus Christ. Drink of the Spirit. Drinking of the Spirit is drinking of the things of the Spirit of God. Taking in the things of the Spirit. That's opening yourself up to Jesus Christ. Taking in His Spirit. Taking take in His Spirit. Spirit by talking to him in prayer, taking his spirit by fellowshiping with believers, with believers, taking his spirit by receiving his word. But most importantly, and nothing else counts unless you do this, most importantly of all, taking his spirit by surrendering and yielding your life to him as your Savior and as your Lord. Surrender your life. To his will. Surrender, surrender to his will in your life so his, the Holy Spirit can bear fruit in your life. I like the way Chuck Smith, founder of Calvary Chapel Church, says it this way. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The real proof of God's filling a person is love. Love is the most valid evidence that a man is truly filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit should be a continual thing. Being baptized with the Spirit is a one-time thing. Amen. Amen. So then, so then, the Spirit, the Spirit enables the church through the birth of the Holy Spirit, through the beginning, uh, by beginning the church of Christ, by baptizing the church. Now, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice something here. Does being filled, you see, they talked with tongues. They began to speak with tongues. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with tongues. Does it mean, if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you will speak with tongues? Well, listen, it did here. Listen. But this, you got to remember, was the beginning of the Christian church. This was to authenticate the message of the gospel that the Holy Spirit was present. Uh, the, 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 the gospel and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is a gift. Yes, it is. It's a, a gift to be able to speak uh, 
be given to speak a language that you didn't previously understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. That's really the only other, uh, as far as in the epistles, that's where the, that's where the tongues is, is listed. It is listed as a gift given by the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ. It's not the only gift. It's not a gift every believer is given. But it is a gift. We cannot deny it. Now listen, here in Acts chapter 2, it's clear that the tongues being spoken of here are tongues of being able to speak the foreign languages by a miracle of God. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 5, it says this. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Okay, so they heard their language. This was a gift of God by the Holy Spirit. Though they had come from other nations, they were hearing their language spoken, their own native tongue. This was part of the miracle of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the day of Pentecost. The Spirit enables the church through the birth of the Holy Spirit, the birth that brings, uh, be, begins the church, the birth that gives new life to the church, okay? So the Spirit enables the church through the birth of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the Spirit enables the church through the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. Verse 8 through 11 gives a dozen countries, a dozen different nations, rather, where Jews had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. This was a significant roll call of the nations. Uh, every, almost every, uh, most of the Roman, civilized Roman world were listed in this group of nations. This was the perfect time for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Why? This was setting the stage for Peter's preaching, which we're going to hear about next week. This was setting the stage. Many of these Jews that heard the sound and heard the tongues would become believers in Christ. They would become believers in Christ. And, and you know, this was the Harvest Festival, right? Well, these believers would be the first fruits of the harvest of the Christian church. These, excuse me, these believers... These, these Jews would become the first fruits of the full harvest of all believers to come after them, including you and me. They're the first fruits of the harvest. First fruits of the harvest. And, 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 and they would go, after they became believers, they would go to their own various nations and share the gospel. What a plan. God had it all planned out, Amen. God had it all planned out. He had it all planned out. And that's what they were doing. And when they do that, they would be communicating, uh, communicating the works of God. Communicating the works of God. Now, the 120 that were in the upper room, it looks like when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they rushed from the upper room to the courtyard in the Jerusalem temple. Why? Because there was an international audience there. They were declaring the wonders of God, speaking in the various dialects, in the di various dialects of the, of the many nations. They were hearing the one message, and they could all understand it. You see, this was a reversal. 
of the Tower of Babel. You remember the story of the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11? God, the, the, the people, they were in Babylon. They, 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 they wanted to make a name for themselves, what we call now Babylon. That's, where, that's how we got the word from Babel. They, they wanted to make a name for themselves. So they, uh, they built this great monument to themselves with the top that reached to heaven. You remember, God put a work. He disrupted that work by confusing their language. He gave them different languages. So they could not understand one another. And they could not understand one another. It would cause them to scatter throughout the world. But now here at Pentecost, you have all the languages coming together. And they could understand by the gift of tongues. They understood the one message that was coming across. They could understand this was a re reversal of the Tower of Babel on the day of Pentecost. God was bringing the tongue, bringing the nations together, bringing the languages together. And, and, and they could understand. They could understand. They could understand each other. And they, be, they could understand. Now, here's the thing. Through the gift of tongues, they were hearing the wonders of God and they all understood. They would hear the praises of God. The praises of God. We all know what it means to praise someone on an earthly level. To give someone praise. Now, I, I have, I was talking about, uh, complimenting Charlie on his coat there this morning. Uh, I think I got some fellow 49er fans out here somewhere. Okay, there we go. Thank you all. <laughs> now, when we talk about our teams or our players, we like to praise them, you know, when we praise them on an earthly level, right? Here's the thing. When you're praising someone, you're, you're to someone else, you're inviting them to, to praise along with you. Yeah, that's how that works. It's the same thing with God. But on a higher level, because we worship God, when we're praising, like the disciples here, we're speaking the wonders of God, speaking the praises of God through the tongues they were speaking. This was an invitation to come praise Him with us. Listen, David said it this way, Psalm chapter 34, verse 3. Come, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt His name together. Psalm chapter 95, verse 5 and 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, and let's do it together. Giving praise when you speak it to someone else is an invitation to, 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 to join in your praise. To join you in your praise. How many here came, how many here came to Calvary Baptist Church by an invitation of someone else? Okay, okay. Several of you, several of you. Now, that was an invitation to come and worship together. I want to give you a very surprising statistic. A Southern Baptist survey that was taking place a few years ago uh, took uh, a survey that was taken. And it says this. 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they are invited. Isn't that interesting? If they are invited. So let us, uh, let us, uh, let others know uh, the wonders of God and the works of God so they can come praise God together with us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, 
The disciples were not only communicating the works of God, but they were demonstrating the wonders of God. Demonstrating his power through their lives. The joy in their hearts, the supernatural gift of tongues that they were given, was all the demonstration of the wonders of God. Through the, you know, oh, but here's the thing. The crowd did not, they were divided on how they reacted. Let's take a look, verse 12 and 13. There was a division on, on, their, on how they reacted to this. It says in verse 12, it says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine to drink. You see, there was a division upon those who heard it of how it was received. Some acknowledged it as a miracle. Others scoffed and accused the Christians of being drunk. Some, some hearts were ready to hear more. Others were deaf to God. There were those who were deaf to God were skeptics who ridiculed the Christians. And that's always been one of Satan's primary attacks is to ridicule the Christian church. And don't you know he's doing it today? Don't you know he's doing it today? Now, now, here's the thing. What's interesting about those who ridicule the church today in America and those who scoff at the church today, they're losing interest in the traditional religion, but they're gaining interest in, they're gaining interest in the occult. Uh, they have an interest in spiritual and supernatural things, just not the supernatural works of God. I want to quote to you from an article in the Atlantic newspaper. The title of this article is called American Exorcism. And it says this. While the United States is gradually becoming more spiritual and less religious, polls show that belief in the paranormal is on the rise. And then, one, and then it gives one example, and it states this. It gives several, but I'll quote one of them to you. Polls show that roughly half of Americans believe demonic possession is real. And it goes on to say, but why is belief in demons on the rise while belief in Christian faith is declining? It says, it seems that people seek spiritual fulfillment uh, through the occult. Through the occult. You know, at the end of the book of Acts, the apostle Paul writes about those that he shares the gospel with that have a hard heart and that, 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 that ridicule him and that, that, that don't accept him, the, the message. And he says it this way, Acts chapter 28, beginning with verse 25. Second part of that verse says, and he says, these are the words of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said to Isaiah the prophet, I'm on verse 27 now, for this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts. And turn, and I would heal them. You see, you see, true healing, true spiritual fulfillment comes to those who are willing to see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts the message of the gospel. 
The message that we are commissioned to bring is a message of true spiritual fulfillment. It will not be found seeking the occult, but it will be found seeking the truth. <coughs> Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The message of Jesus Christ. He says, spiritual fulfillment can be found only through me. John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. He's the only source of true spiritual fulfillment. Demonstrate the wonders of God by demonstrating his fullness in your life. With a life that is changed, uh, uh, with a sp spiritually alive, and a life that sings the praises of God with other believers. The Spirit enables the church through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit enables the church in these two primary ways that we've already seen. He enables the church through the birth of the Holy Spirit. The birth that brings new life to believers in Jesus Christ. The wind and the fire were signs of the Spirit's indwelling presence. The Spirit baptizes believers into the body of Christ, which is the church of Christ. Not only does the Holy Spirit bring birth, bring birth, Spiritual birth, but the, the Spirit enables the church through the work of the Holy Spirit. The people of all nations heard the message. They heard their native tongue because the disciples were speaking in tongues. The disciples were communicating the works of God and the wonders of God. This is spiritual fulfillment. It's not found in the occult. It's found in Jesus Christ. He died for our sins and rose again to offer us the fullness of life. It was, a, it was, it was, it was to be, you know, we heard that tornado warning last Tuesday morning. That was, a, that was a warning to help us prepare in case of a disaster. It will be a disaster on the day of judgment for those who do not know Jesus Christ. The message that Jesus sends you and I to be a witness is the message of salvation through him. It's the message the Spirit enables us to live. And it's a message the Spirit enables us to give. Let's be those witnesses the Spirit enables us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift that you promised the original disciples, and you promise it to us today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, that you empower us as a church, Lord, by your Spirit. And help us all, Lord, to continually to be, seek to be filled with the Spirit as you command us to do. Lead us, Lord Jesus, as your church. Let your Spirit guide us and, and, and teach us and lead us as we seek to be your witnesses as you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. Amen. Amen. And, and now we're going to, you know, just have a time of...